Okay, we're, uh, we're going to finish off Mark chapter 2, and then we're going to jump into Mark chapter 3, and we'll go through both these two little vignettes. I want us to understand something. This is on the heels of, you remember Levi got saved. Jesus said, hey, follow me. Do life with me. He got up, and he had this amazing feast, and he invited all his friends. Well, the friends of a tax collector would be nefarious ne'er-do-wells, if we can just put it that way. And th this caused a big problem with the Pharisees. Why is Jesus hanging around with these sinners? He doesn't understand what God's like. <laughs> Funny, right? And he explained, um, Dr. Jesus, surgery is in session. Um, and he said, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. By the way, with that in mind, I never ever would be sarcastic of somebody who went to a physician. Jesus seems to think that's a good idea. Now, that doesn't exclude prayer, but that's a good thing to do. And then this question about fasting comes up when Jesus answered with, look, no one soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. I didn't come to patch up an old system. And he demonstrated that again with the wine, the new wine and the old wineskins. And now today's reading is going to develop that idea. And he gives us good for instances of what that means. Okay, and I could have said this last week, but I would have walked over all I was going to teach this week. So anyway, here we go. Uh, Mark chapter 2. Verse 23, it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, uh, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was in hunger? He and they that were with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and did eat the showbread which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests, and gave also to them that were with him. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. He entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day, or to do evil, to save life, or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored, whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth, and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. That God uh, bless the reading of his word. Father, as we unpack now, Spirit of God, teach us things that would thrill us, and we want to understand some things here. These maybe the lessons here are non-obvious. So help us to be studious, put on our thinking caps, and Lord, we want to study to show ourselves approved, workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We pray your blessing to that end, in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, I, all right, no one putting new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, the wine is spilled, the bottles will be marred, but new wine must be put in new bottles, new wineskins. 
What does that look like? Well, it looks like verse 23. It came to pass that he went through the grain fields, okay? They don't have corn like kernel corn like we think of it. The grain fields, okay? And the ear, uh, you know, a head of grain looks like, you know, it's, it's just, you got to remember 1611 when the King James came, you know, they, they grabbed the words that the best they best could. And I don't think they had the tools that we have now. Uh, you know, I teach from the King James. I'm not critical. I like the King James. But you understand when they says something like cornfield, it's not corn as we would think of corn. Small point. His disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. The Pharisees said to him, Behold, why do they on the, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? I mean, Deuteronomy, I think it's chapter 23, says when you're not walking through your neighbor's grain fields, feel free. Go ahead, snack, enjoy yourself, God bless you. Don't bring a, 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 a reaper in there. Don't bring a, a, a you know, a, a combine or a, don't, don't back your truck in there, your wagon, and fill it all up, right? But you could, you could have some. They're all family. They're all Israelites. You walk into an orchard or, or a vineyard and you have a pluck some grapes and eat them, God bless you. You know, again, you, you, you take, uh, you know, tons and tons of grapes and sell them. That's, that's we, we call that stealing. Now, if you're walking through an orchard and it doesn't belong to you and you eat an apple, unless you have an understanding with the owner, we, we call that stealing. But it wasn't so at this place at this day. Uh, have you ever done this? Because I did, just the first time this year. We're working in Farmington, and that is, and look like wheat. And I don't know, I'm not a, like a plant guy, but I have an app. And I scanned it, and it was called winter rye or Russian rye or something like that. I can't remember. It was rye. And so uh, if you pluck it and you kind of comb it, because it kind of goes up at an angle like that, if you pull it against it, all the pieces will fall off into your hand with some other stuff that if you put it in your mouth, it's very unpleasant. It's just, it's just... It doesn't taste. It's just small and and you're all, so you, and all that blows away. True story. So, and uh, and you eat it and it's like, I don't know, I suppose it tastes like, if I had to taste a a a sense of taste, way, way back before COVID, I lost my sense of smell and I don't have much of a sense of taste. And little things like rye, I can't tell you from wheat, from barley from I I wouldn't know I I know my app said it was rye and I was just eating them because I was bored and why not right people say you eat that grass and I'm like no it's rye my app says it's rye you want to try some and nobody want to try some anyway I was eating that and it was good Uh, was I stealing no it's it's in the middle of a solar field that's all that stuff is basically not nothing that they want there because they don't want stuff to grow up past the panels and anything you pluck would be They'd be happy to get rid of it. So I, I did this. I know what this is all about. So this is what they're doing, okay? And the Pharisees, the, read here, the religious folks said, what are they doing here? Why are they doing that? You can't do that on the Sabbath. Look at we've talked about the Sabbath before. He comes, is like six places in Scripture, maybe seven, where he comes head to head with the Pharisees because of their rules regarding the Sabbath. Their rules regarding the Sabbath. I have a question. Is there a Bible verse that says, don't do that on the Sabbath? Don't, don't snack 
as you're walking through the grain field and it's the Sabbath, you're on your way to synagogue, do not snack. That is absolutely forbidden. Anyone know that verse? I'd be interested in you showing me that later on. But we talked about this. There were 39 ways to break the Sabbath. And each way had 39 subsets, 39 rules of how to break it in that way. So 39 times 39. The Bible says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And later on, as God's developing this idea, he says, this is what I want you to do. No work. I want you to say, think of this. Yay, God, you're awesome. Because this is what religion does. This is what religion always does, invariably. Um, I, I, let, me, let me just show you something. I'm, I thought up this little scenario, and it's probably a miserable for a lot of reasons. But uh, So think about like Simon Legree in uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin. How many of you have read Uncle Tom's Cabin? Okay, yay on you and shame on the rest of you. You have to. You have to. And I never understood when uh, someone calls somebody an Uncle Tom why that's derisive or pejorative. I, I don't understand that. Uncle Tom is a godly man, and he's imbued with virtue, and he's a wonderful Christian man in the story. It's a fiction. We understand that. But he's a good guy. You want your children to be like Uncle Tom. Uh, so I don't understand why that ever became, and if somebody could explain it to me, I'd sure appreciate that. And I mean that sincerely. Anyway, so I'm Simon Legree, the, the plantation owner, and I own slaves. How many of you already think, ugh? <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm kind of just threw up in my mouth. It's, it's a disgusting idea. But suddenly, in my version of Uncle Tom's Cabin, Simon is persuaded by Uncle Tom, and he becomes a Christian. And I mean an out-and-out -out lover of Jesus Christ. And he just, he just loves Jesus so much. What do you do in a situation like that when you're a slave owner and all of a sudden you become a, a, a born-again, love Jesus? Well, what I would do is I'd, I'd call all the slaves together and say, okay, here's the deal. I love Jesus. I have been nothing but a sinner. Here's the deal. I got this plantation. If you want to work here, you're welcome to work here. If you want to leave, you're welcome to leave. And some will say, what do you mean leave? This is all we know. Where, where are we going? Where are we? And well, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do from now on. I'm going to pay you. I'm going to give you money from the sale of, it was a cotton plantation in uh, Simon Legree's place in Uncle Tom's cabin. I'm going to give you proceeds from what I make. I'm going to give you a, a wage and you're going to be able to buy stuff and you can come and go as you want. Uh, you know, and, and this is how it's going to be from now on. And that would be hard concept on a lot of people who've only known slavery. And I'll say, you know what I want? Um, don't complicate this with Sabbath and what's on. Saturday is the Sabbath. Sunday's not the s Sabbath. But I'm a new Christian, right? And Simon Legree is a new Christian now. And I say, I want you to take a day off. And they'll say, day off what? A day off from work. And they'll say, what do you mean? I want you, like, on Sunday... Have a church service, and Uncle Tom can lead. And I'd, I'd go, because like I say, this is a really godly man. He can lead. He can teach the word, lead us in some hymns and stuff like that. And you can go to church, or you cannot go to church, but you're not, no work. I mean, what do you mean we're not going to work? I mean, you're not going to work. There's no work, okay? I want you to just relax. I want you to have a day off. I want you to recharge your batteries. I want you to fellowship, and I want you to hang around with each other. I want you to think about God. I want you to just have a great day. 
They're all scratching their head thinking, this never happened before. And now the master said, no work. And they think like, oh, what do we do? No work. This is kind of what happened to Israel. They were working seven days a week. You think they got a day off in Egypt? They were slaves. And God said, okay, you're free. You're out here now. You know what I want you to do? Relax. On the Sabbath, Friday at sundown, I want you to take 24 hours off. Just chill. And I say, what do you mean? No work. Okay, what does work mean? Well, what happens if I spit? I spit on a rock. That's okay. But if I spit on the ground and it rolls, I kind of made a furrow there. Isn't that like plowing? And what happens if I like pluck grain? Isn't that like reaping? Isn't that like, this is where it comes from. You say, Adam, that's ridiculous. It is. But listen to me. Still, today in Israel, in the King David Hotel, you can't press a button on the elevator on the Sabbath. That's work. And people who have gone there, they will tell you that. It's exactly true. There's a Gentile elevator. This is a Jewish elevator. The Jewish elevator stops at every other floor, and so nobody has to push a button because that's work. Do you ever suppose in your wildest dreams that God said, listen, I see any one of you pushing a button. <sighs> but that's what religious people do. They've got to quantify. They gotta, and they've got to just split hairs about what I've told you, there's plenty of writing, 15, 20 minutes in a library or online, and you can figure out a lot of stuff. A woman couldn't look in a mirror on a Sabbath. If there's white or black hair, she might pluck it. She'd be tempted to pluck it, and that would be harvesting. <gasps> Can't take a bath on the Sabbath. If you spill water on the floor, you're washing the floor. You're saying that's absurd. I know it, and that's my point. Jesus and the boys, and they have no... Uh, problem with eating this, doing this before Jesus. Now the Pharisees, the religious come along. What do you think is going Oh my God, look at them. They're, they're working on it. They're working. They're on their way to church. They go into, they go into synagogue. They're going to worship God. They're just having a snack. That's all there is to it. But, you know, when you're a Pharisee, man, I got to tell you something. Don't live that way. You find, no matter what anyone's doing, if you want to be the fault finder, you'll find it. You'll find it. Are they doing anything? Again, if you can show me where they're breaking the law. Jesus never breaks the law. They call that sin. He never breaks. He never does anything. Jesus is the one, his finger said, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. That's what he wrote, okay? He's not going to turn around and defile it and do things that ought not be done on the Sabbath day. They, they're doing that which is not lawful. And he gives them an example. Uh, have you never read? And by the way, he just slapped them really hard. Have you never read? When somebody goes to a scribe or a Pharisee and asks them a question, they'll say, have you never read? And the answer is like, what they're saying is, hey, Rube, hey, knucklehead, haven't you ever read? And Jesus doing this is really boiling their potatoes. They do not like this at all. He's saying, what he's giving them is a taste of their own medicine. Have you never read? Well, of course they've read. They got the first five books of the Bible memorized. Of course they've read. But he's insulting them on purpose. And I think it's waking up, waking them up to, you know, a little golden rule applied here would be a good thing. Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was in hunger? He and they that were with him. This is in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 21. 
He's running from Saul. And he goes to the house of Abiathar. Okay? And he says, uh, listen, you get anything to eat? I was, uh, I'm on the king's business, which was a lie. Uh, and we didn't even have a chance to grab some, you know, some victuals, some victuals, some, um, here we are, man, we're, we're starving like Marvin. You get anything to eat? No, we don't. We got the show bread, but you ain't supposed to eat that. And he said, well, <laughs> yeah, there's rules against that. And the question, one of the questions this week on our Wednesday night group, did David break the law? I think the answer is, yeah. But I think human need was more important than ceremonial law. Because it was ceremonial law. It wasn't like it was okay to murder all of a sudden. It was okay to commit adultery. He was taking something that had been set aside for the priest. They, they took the uh, loaves and every week they'd change them out. And then the old loaves, the priest got to eat. And, you know, it provided sustenance. David wasn't a priest. David was Judah. He wasn't Levi. He was not Levitical. He can't eat that at all. But he was starving like Marvin. Here he is hungry. And they said, well, all right, go ahead. You know, whatever. Pharisees, and even today, there's people who wrestle with that. How could, how could David have done that? Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something about David, the man after God's own heart. He does way worse than this. I'll give him a hall pass for this. this is, he lied. He ate stuff he wasn't supposed to eat. But David does a lot of stuff later on that's a lot worse. Well, how did he not die? How do you not go to hell? How do you, it's called grace. Okay, think about it. We'll discuss that another time. Have you never read what David did? Uh, he did he was, it wasn't lawful, but the priest gave him also to them that were with him. Now, think of this. Was David the anointed king at this time? Yeah. That's why Saul was trying to kill him, among other things. Was he the reigning king? No, he's on the run from Saul. Jesus Christ, at this point in the story, is he the anointed king? Oh, yeah. Is he the Mashiach, the Messiah? That means the anointed. Uh, you see it easily in Greek, Christos, right? You can think of Crisco, oil. It's anointed. Was Jesus anointed? Yeah, the Holy Spirit came on him when he was baptized. You remember that? He's the Messiah. He is the anointed king. Is he the reigning king? No. Coming soon to a planet near you. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking for that day. It, what a wonderful, joyful day it will be. It's not now. Is Jesus, you know, everyone complains about, you know, God all the time. Oh, if God did this, God. God's not ruling this planet. No, I, ultimately he does. He allows things. But listen, Jesus called, he called Satan the God of this world. Paul echoed that in, uh, Ephesians, we call him the prince of the power of the air. You know, we got a hurricane, we got a tsunami, we got, you know, oh, an act of God. God gets blamed for a lot of stuff. You know, if God was God, how come all the wars? Uh, Don't fight them. He has Bible verses, you know. Now, I'm not not casting dispersions on people go to, I'm a, veteran my own self, not a veteran of war. I don't want to take more credit than but I'm not I'm not saying about that, but like, you know, uh, oh there's all these poor people. Well help them. There's no rule against that. And we blame God that there are poor people. I I don't see why well we we 
Much of what's going on in the world is our own fault, our own doing, and then we turn around and blame God. That's all I'm saying. Let's keep moving. He gives them this example, and he says this. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Wow, that's a wonderful. God's saying, listen, I created the Sabbath. Then I think, oh, I better create some Sabbath keepers. I better make man so I have somebody to keep the Sabbath. No, it's exactly backwards. God created man in his own image. Why? To fellowship with us. Did he need us? No. Did he want us? Yeah. Does he love us? Yeah. Why? Well, that's the big question, and I don't know. He loves us because he loves us. I'm sorry, I got anything better than that. So there, there we have it. That's the whole thing. God loves us because he loves us. He created us to have fellowship with us. And then in his watch care of us, in his blessing, he said, you know what? Don't work yourself at an early grade. Take a day off. That's the whole thing. That's it. That's the whole. And there's a lot of Sabbath keepers now. One of the questions you'll run into Wednesday night, what does this verse mean to you? The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. I'll leave it there so give, you get some homework now. Therefore, because of this, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. He's just claimed divinity. They got it. They always get it. When he was saying that, you know, he points that story to da- about David. And at that time, David was the anointed king and not the ruling king. You think they would have connected the dots back to Jesus as the, that he was claiming that? Because I don't think they miss anything like that. I think they understand. He could have used a lot of examples. That's the one he used. Think about it. When he says the Son of Man himself... When he talks about, when God in the flesh talks about himself in the third person, he's making a commentary on his deity. Almost in every circumstance, I think in every circumstance, but I haven't gone through the whole Bible and said that. When Jesus is talking about himself as divine, he goes to third person. I think he does that so we understand that he's talking about himself as God. Some people have struggled with that. <laughs> We're at Calvary Chapel. Jesus is God. We've always, nobody deviates from that. As a matter of fact, you say, different, you're not Calvary Chapel pastor. No, Jesus is Lord. He's the Lord of a day of the week. How do you do that? Well, I created all the days of the week. I can be Lord over the Sabbath if I want. I'm the Lord over all the days of the week, in the months and the years and the seasons and lives and everything. He's Lord over all of it. I suspect that the Pharisees, we don't get their reaction. I, I suspect there was just steam coming out of their ears when he said, Sabbath, let me tell you about the Sabbath. Because when I invented the Sabbath, I can make the rules. You can't make the rules. It's not your Sabbath. It's my Sabbath. And I gave it to mankind. Not as a burden, not as 117 ways to break it. Here, here, God bless you. Have a day off. Rest relax, recharge, fellowship, food, I mean, good worship, good stuff, right? And I think that's our God. He entered again into the synagogue, and there was there, chapter 3 now, there was a man there with a withered hand. Now, by the way, Dr. Luke says it's his right hand. So here he is, he's learned how to do everything one-handed with his non-dominant hand, probably. Um, Jerome in the fourth century said that he was a stonemason. Is he a stonemason? Maybe Jerome had information that has been lost to antiquity. I don't know that. But 
you know, he had a trade because that's what people did. Or he was a salesman, or he was a farmer, or he was... And people generally work with their hands. Now he has one less to work with. It's not congenital. It is, the, the language tells us that he, it had become withered. What, industrial accident or something like that? Who knows? And if he's a stonemason, you could easily see how that could happen. So now he's got a hand that doesn't, and because it's not working properly, it withers up, it shrinks, it atrophies. We understand. I'm, uh, I'm working gainfully employed. Well, I always am. But I mean, uh, I'm back to working with the tools. I was overseer for like all summer long, and now I'm, yeah, I got these muscle aches and sore back, and oh, I think it's wonderful. I'm just having the time of my life, you know, getting kind of hardened up and kind of, you know, having sore muscles and stuff like that again. Because even over summer of like relative non-activity, you know, muscles and stuff wither up. Muscles are meant to be used. So here's a guy with a withered hand. And it's a hand. Everything you do kind of, because some of you guys know, I don't want to make this about me. A few years ago, I had an accident with a ladder, and I can't use my hand entirely. And every time I shake a hand or, or try to use chopsticks, or, or how about this one here, you know, live long and prosper? I can't do it. That's what it looks like. Okay, when I sign, that's an A, that's a B. Say, why use whale? That's my accent. That's my, B's supposed to be like that, right? I can't, I can't do it. I can't type. I used to, you know, type. I mean, like, like, a, like a typist would type. Good thing I don't play the piano because I really wouldn't be able to do that. But every time I shake a hand, every time I try to use tools, every time I, it's there, it's, it's, it's like, uh, it's always there, you know? So imagine every life function that depends on hands, which is most of them, right? You can't do quite what you'd like to do. This is our, this is our boy here. He has his withered hand. And they watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day. Because they're interested in learning some stuff. They're interested in learning what God's like. <laughs> no, I wish that they might accuse him. <sighs> Don't be a Pharisee. Don't look at people's lives. Oh, what are they doing wrong? And you can't wait to just cloud up and rain all over me. It's just a miserable way to live. Who does that? Well, Pharisees do that. You know, this guy might get healed today. How exciting is that? Listen, if you can take somebody who's got a withered hand and restore it, I'm okay with you doing it on any day of the week you choose, okay? I, I'm so, I would be so excited to see that, that that would be so amazing that, you know, what, what are we like? Oh, how dare you, you know, do that on the Sabbath? I say, religious people have more rules than God. Always. They're ready to accuse him. And, but they know how he is. They know that, like, Jesus has this amazing Jesus radar, and he's looking for the, you know, uh-oh, there's a situation over there. And he can't help himself, I think. He loves. He, there's no one who dies in his presence in all of Scripture. Did you know that? You say the thief on the cross. No, Jesus died first. We, we didn't see anyone scripturally die in his presence. When he comes and he encounters death, he raises them up. Do, do you know any scripture that I don't know about where, where it's, it, it may be hinted at, but you know where somebody comes to Jesus for healing and he says no? Or he leaves them unaided, unabetted? 
or he can't. <laughs> That's ridiculous from the, on the face of it. I, oh, man, I'd like to help you. I don't know. I've never seen COVID before, God says. Oh, I'd like to help you. I can't do it. You see scripture like that? So they understand who he is, how he is, what he's all about, and they don't like it. There's a debate at this time whether it's okay to heal on the Sabbath or not. And he, I think he puts it to rest forever. <sighs> he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. Hey, you, front and center. Look, if you're this guy, this is the last thing you want. Does he know Jesus? Does he know that he's going to, has he heard all the rumors? Because it's been a little while now. Uh, well, we don't know. It's well into the second year of Jesus' ministry at this point, And you, it's hard to track that. You have to use other Gospels to find that all out. But I'm sure he's heard of him. I'm sure he's thinking like, well, you know, if he's around here tomorrow. But we don't know what the guy's thing is. I know, I know this. If you have anything wrong with you, the last thing you want to do is stand forth and let everyone see it. If you have like problems like with your arm or your hand, you put it in your pocket and you get it out of sight and you don't let people see. You know, he's got it under his cloak. He's, you know how it is, right? The last thing you want to do is, is, is call attention to, hey, you, front and center, stand up. He saith unto them, he's not talking to the man now, he's talking to those who would accuse him. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? That's an easy question, isn't it? That's kind of a softball. But they held their peace. Because they're going to indict themselves with the answer. When they hold their peace, it's not because they don't have anything to say. They know that whatever they say. It's like, hey, John the Baptist, what is his authority? Did it come from men or come from God? They were asking Jesus about his authority. In other words, what gives you the right to do like this? Clean out the temple, for instance, things like that. So I'll ask you a question. John's authority, did it come from men or come from God? They knew... If they, he, they said, if it comes from man, that they would get stoned because everyone held John as a prophet. But they knew that if they said, well, it came from God, then the next question Jesus could say is, why didn't you believe him then? He's the one. If you don't understand John's authority, you won't understand mine. They come from the same place. God said, this is the way it's going to work out, and that's the way it's working out. He answered the question. A lot of people think he kind of danced around it. He did not. But he, so he says, uh, so when they don't say anything, it's because they got nothing to say. Here they held their peace. I mean, look, is it, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? No, we want to set up a storm on the Sabbath day. And we should kill every opportunity we get. Well, nobody's going to say that. So obviously the answer is, you know, it's, it's, it's good. To, it's, it's, it's all right to do good. It's all right to, uh, to extend life. You know, the, the Lord and giver of life is about life. And anything we do that, that helps life, that promotes life, that would be a good thing. And they've answered their own questions. So they kind of hung on the horns of a dilemma. When he looked around about them with anger, think this through. You know, we're told in, in Scripture to be angry and to sin not. 
And we're told further, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Anyone hey, getting married or anyone who is married, that's great advice. <laughs> Whatever. As it gets later and later at night, and me and Suze are at loggerheads, which is rare. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying it's never been, but it's kind of rare these days. I get humbler and humbler as, as night approaches. And like, and about like 10 or 11, I'm willing to, I got to work tomorrow. I'm willing to admit to anything. I don't care. You know, let's get this. I don't want to go to bed mad. And it's, it's a horrible thing. You know, you, I, I know none of you guys would ever do this, but you know, when you're lying back to, and you know, you're not even breathing, you don't give them the satisfaction of like them hearing you breathe or nothing. And you're just as far away as you can be on the bed and still without falling out of it. You, none of you know what I'm talking about, of course. But I, and, and by the way, Satan is sleeping on the inside right between you, spooning both of you. I don't know, this is horrible. Don't go to bed mad. Are there times to be angry? I, I, I remember someone who I love dearly was telling me, well, Jesus sinned. And I said, wait, wait. What? <laughs> and they said about the times he got angry, like this. No, 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 no. It's righteous here to be angry. It would be unrighteous to not be angry. When you see the hypocrisy, you don't care about this guy. You don't care about his hand. You don't care about his livelihood. You don't care about his pain. You don't care about his. Every time he goes to pick up his little boy or a little girl or something, he's, he's confirmed with his withered hand. Let's do it on his side, Daddy's only got one hand. You don't care about none of that stuff. And you care about your little rules. And if somebody's stepping on your, violating your made up, that, that's what you care about, really? How would you not get angry with that? And I think, I think it's a wonderful attitude. He's not like, ah, out of his mind. You remember when he cleans out the temple? He's not a berserker. He didn't grab a two-by-four and start clubbing people. No bones were broken. He took time to fashion a whip. A whip leaves a mark, but leaves bones intact. Think about it. He turned over tables. He let the pigeons go. He, he wasn't out of control. Ah, crazy God. He's never that way. His, his anger is reasonable and measured. If he ever lost control, can you even imagine? Oh, my goodness. He was angry for the hardness of their hearts. And I would suggest he still gets angry over hard hearts. I'm just. Now he says to the man, stretch forth your hand. If I could do that, don't you think I would have done that? I mean, I got this withered thing going here. I, what do you stretch forth your hand? What are you just being cruel now or something? He could have said a lot of things. I think he, he stepped out in faith. I don't think the man was looking to be healed because he didn't come and say, Jesus, would you heal me? But now Jesus actually, hey, you, front and center, stand up. Stretch out your hand. And this is an act of faith. He couldn't stretch out his hand, and he stretched it out. And his hand was restored whole as the other. Imagine a hand all atrophied and broken, Weird angles because bones that had been crushed had never healed correctly and stuff like this. And now there's no muscles working anymore because nothing. And 
I, so he stretches. What, did, what, is, what are the people hearing? Like snap, crackle, and pop as the guy's, everything comes back into being. Muscle tone that had never been there and for how long? Who knows? Um, just imagine the magnitude of what they're saying here. Isn't your God, isn't my God awesome? And isn't he good? Just don't, don't go too quickly past what's going on. He gave him his life back. He gave him his livelihood back. If this man was a stonemason, something you kind of need two hands to do, I'm assuming. <laughs> okay. Uh, his hand was destroyed, holes the other. The Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Wait. Wait, what? I don't want to see signs. I don't want to see evidence. I don't want to see I've already made up my mind. This guy is demonic. And by the way, we'll see that before the end of this chapter. Verse 22, the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils cast the out devils. All the miraculous things Jesus is doing, oh, they're miraculous. They're beyond us. We, we get that. Well, we can't understand. I mean, we can't do these sort of things. But he's got supernatural power, but it doesn't come from God. It comes from the netherworld. It comes from dark places. He's doing these things by the power of the devil. Great theology, by the way. They have already determined. I don't care what he does. I don't care how good he is. I don't care how many lives he changes. I don't care how many people he frees from suffering. I don't care how many arms or eyes or limbs he restores. I know he's bad because he doesn't follow the rules the way I want him to. How many people do you know like that? I don't want evidence. I, no matter how much evidence you give me, my mind is made up. That's sad. Jesus is angry over the hardness of their hearts, over that settled. The Pharisees took counsel with the Herodians. These aren't natural bedfellows. A Herodian is a follower of King Herod. Herod is not even Jewish. He's an Idumean. Read here, Edomite, from Jordan. Okay, he's in the family. Oh, Jordan, either they came from Lot or they came from Esau. Well, he's the one who came from Esau, um, Jacob's brother. Remember they were twins? But he's not Israel. He's outside in the family, but a cousin, okay, or an, a, an old uncle or something like this. He's not, and so he's in King David's place as ruler over Israel. And the Pharisees are the religious sect who, they're very, very orthodox, more orthodox than God, more rules than God, more righteous than God, okay? Uh, I, I say that advisedly. You Factor in the sarcasm, okay? And they're not natural bedfellows, but now they have this unholy alliance. How can we eliminate Jesus Christ? Do you see the utter, utter, utter hypocrisy? So, hey, you, stand up. Okay, you're healed on the Sabbath. Oh, I can't believe he's so horrible. Hey, let's plan and plot to kill the Messiah on the Sabbath. But I don't have any problem with that. Healing a fellow on the Sabbath, that's right out. Plotting the demise of God on the Sabbath, that's within our, that's, that's reasonable. Does anyone see a little bit of a problem here? That's, 
every about every week or so, every few weeks, I'm come up with another reason why I hate religion. Listen, I was religious. It never did me any good. I talk to people all the time. I was talking to a couple yesterday, talking about coming to church here this morning and doing this and this. Oh, I've never been very religious. And I, just want to say, I know, I know, I know, I know. Not very religious. Good. Why don't you come to church? And they equate church and religion. They equate God and religion. They always have. I don't know if you can change it. They always will. People run into Pharisees and say, ooh, that's icky. I agree with you. I think it's awful. I think hypocrisy is awful. Um, and here, here's Jesus. Religious? He's the Messiah. Whatever. Whatever. He's come to earth. He loves and he's helpful. And he does only good all the time. And then he saves us from our sin. Yay. Thanks for being awesome. Religion? That never did me any favors. Anyway, but this is what we're asking people to do. Step past all the the parade, past the hypocrisy, past the crazy, and encounter Jesus Christ. He's good, only good, only helpful all the time. And the things that you hate about religion, he hates about religion also. Let's stand and let's pray. And our uh, worship leader will send us out of here in song. Lord, thank you for, uh, I think it's been helpful to understand what it means about putting new wine in old wineskins. But we're not old wineskins, Lord. We're your, we're your blessed children that you've saved and you've given us new life. Thank you for putting the Spirit of God into us that we could just fellowship with you and do life together. Thank you for that offer that, was, that we studied last week. Jesus asked Levi to walk with him, to be with him, to do life together. We understand what you've done for us, and we, we, we bless your holy name because of it. And Lord, if there's some here today, they're on the outside looking in, I pray they'd talk to me or somebody about that and settle this matter once and for all, determine to follow Jesus Christ forever. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee. Give thee peace. Amen.